This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, Global Calgary's Cammy Kepke joins us to talk about the cancellation of the World Juniors, NHL outlook, and the impact of all these things moving forward uh, during the Omicron outbreak. Handy Andy Barrar joins us at handyandymedia.com to chat about how to make his own custom t-shirts at home, how easy it is today to do that. It's pretty cool stuff, actually. Plus, can fitness apps be effective as a personal trainer? If you've been thinking about the gym membership or just trying an app or whatever, you can get some feedback here. Handy Andy has gone through the at-home workouts over the last couple of years in COVID. He has some great insight and insight on the technology, too. Plus, we look back on the life of the great actress, Betty White, who passed away at 99 years of age. This is the Shift Podcast. Uh, it was news that I had shared on the Facebook group about Lego uh, through the Christmas break. And it was after Christmas, right? It was one of those things where uh, someone posts a meme. And if you didn't see it at shiftheads.ca, go to the thing and you can you can be part of it. But there was a meme of Betty White on a Lego box. And you know how Lego used to... I don't know if they still do. I don't know. Uh, I wish Ryan... He should be back tomorrow. But... Um, there used to be like the age preference or recommendation for Lego. And it was like seven years to 99. And it was a bit of a Lego joke because they were like, you know, it's, it's good for everybody to know how old you are. And someone had taken Betty White's picture and before Christmas and put it on there and say, Betty White's disappointed that she can no longer play with Lego. I believe it was January 17th was her 100th birthday. And before Christmas, she had done some radio show interviews where she was saying she was feeling good and everything was going well. And she's looking forward to her 100th birthday. So the conversation around Betty White, this indestructible woman, was was there really any question about her turning 100? There wasn't. There wasn't any question about her turning 100. It's Betty White. And yet it turns out that that woman... Uh, is human after all. And it turns out that on the morning of New Year's Eve, the news broke that she had passed away. And there are some really fun looks at this. Somebody actually went through Betty White's life and counted the number of leap years. So she was 18 days away from turning 100. So someone went through the calendar of her life and counted that she had actually lived through 24 leap years. So technically, you could probably argue that she was already 100. I don't know if the counter or the uh, calendar works on a counter of convenience like that of changing the rules, but still fun nonetheless, right? That's how Betty White taught us to be, was to just look at it differently and be able to look at it from a place of, wow, it's Betty White. I don't know if you know some of the history of Betty White, and I know that our, our audience here, all of the shift heads, we get the research, right? And, and some of the technology lets us know how old you are, depending on where you're listening. And, and our audience is literally from my buddy Scott's boy, Simon, who's 12, I think, this year, to um, we've had text messages and calls from our audience who are in their 80s, right? And so how lucky are we? You know, Ursula and Oliver is a great example. And um, 
so everybody's look at Betty White on the show. It's it's one of those rare situations where all of us has something in common. Right? No matter what generation you're from, we all have something in common. So uh, let's take a little look. I, I'm curious how this lands for you, what your thoughts were. I mean, I, there's not necessarily a big story to tell about Betty White, but I can tell you that for me, the Golden Girls is the truest of an era of television that made me fall in love with what is television. In fact, it's created a standard of quality in humor that has been difficult to replicate since. It was so good. It was a special era. So with all of those things being said, 877-399-9898, I do want to know your thoughts, anything you want to say about Betty White, what's your look, your favorite show, your favorite moments, text it in, call it in, I want to know. As we get started in this conversation about Betty White, ET Canada took a look at the long and storied career of this unbelievable, just, wow, Betty White is just, was not human and turns out the best part about it was she was human after all. Here's how it goes. Luckiest old broad on TV. <laughs> and we were lucky to have her. The only child of an electrical engineer and homemaker, Betty began her career in radio in 1939. But in 1952, Betty got her first start in television with her first series, Life with Elizabeth. Well, this is Martha. You two are going to be brothers. Betty continued to work in TV over the next two decades, but it wasn't until 1973 that she found mainstream success. I'm sorry, but nothing you've said could ever make me change my mind about Lars. As the devious, man-hungry Sue Ann Nivens on the Mary Tyler Moore Show, Betty won two of her five Emmys. She was your live-in neighborhood nymphomaniac, and uh, everybody should have a hobby, and boy, did she have a hobby. Then, in 1985, Betty began a new series and found yet another generation's worth of fans. Oh, we better put out the welcome mat. <laughs> we don't have a welcome mat. What about the one Dorothy says is at the foot of your bed? As the lovable and naive Rose Nyland, Betty and her fellow Golden Girls revolutionized what it meant to be a senior citizen. We're all just as vital and sensual and, and uh, nutty and good and bad as anybody else. In recent years, Betty had enjoyed a career revival. People just couldn't get enough of her, and she was everywhere. From hosting Saturday Night Live in 2010. Well, it's great to be here for a number of reasons. <laughs> to groping Sandra Bullock in the proposal. It's like an Easter egg, <laughs> Betty proved age is just a number. I'm blessed with good health. That's the bottom line, and that's the thing I'm luckiest about. But uh, I, I love what I do. And that's why, despite her age, Betty showed no signs of slowing down, even having two shows on the air at once to still be working and have them come to you offering you work, not begging for it, that I, it's just too good to be true. Betty credited her positive and youthful spirit to her late husband, game show host Alan Ludden. Married for 17 years before he passed away of cancer in 1981, Betty called him the love of her life. I swear, somewhere in here he'd tell me, you gotta, you gotta keep going and you gotta, you know, shape up or ship out. Betty devoted much of her widowed years to being a champion of animal rights. Using her celebrity status and million-plus Twitter followers, she helped bring awareness to her cause. Please visit BadDogs.com 
to learn how to help today. But perhaps her biggest contribution has been making her golden years truly golden, like Rose Nyland and Friends, redefining age and loving each and every passing birthday. Everyone gets better and better and better, and I get older and older and older, but it's wonderful. Betty White uh, died on New Year's Eve, and, and uh, I know that it's funny. I guess it is, and I, I get mixed emotion about it um, because people were like, oh, it's the last FU from 2021 to take Betty White. And and I get that. I, I guess it's funny. It makes us feel better, and we all deal with grief and death differently. That's for sure. But it was a hundred years, man. A hundred years of just awesomeness of paving new uh, paths of Betty White. Did you know that Betty White? I think it was 1954 when she took on the Betty White Show, which was the second Betty White Show, but this was the television show. It was the second show to feature the name, the Betty White Show. She hired a female director for the show. Right, like you want to talk about adversity and creating what the future looks like, and um, she started it. She was part of that. The these these pathfinders that that create 1954, and if you want to look at the world we live in and how long it's taken us to catch up to Betty White, it took us like 50 years to catch up to Betty White. That's how far ahead she was. So it doesn't matter if you know her from the Betty White show or, you know, the, the game shows, because she was like the she was like the queen of the game shows, too, for a while. Um, you know, she did everything. Mary Tyler Moore show and then another Betty White show. Mama's family, Golden Girls. Um, then she was in The Proposal, which was, you know, amazing. Saturday Night Live, Hot in Cleveland, you name it. You know, Betty White was absolutely indestructible. So it's cool. It's cool when we can look at all of the things that she gave us because she gave us this. Betty White gave us sexuality as a senior. It gave us something to look forward to. It gave people when your spouse passes away that there still can be for some people, not everybody, but for some people there can be a life to be had. Right? And so the value of seniors and the fact that seniors aren't just grandmas and grandpas that sit in rocking chairs and do crosswords. There are people that have a history and they have a crude sense of humor and, and they are able to make jokes. And, you know, these things, these things matter. It's cool. DJ BK grabbed a clip of Betty White, um, being particular cat, caddy. This is Rose from Golden Girls. And, um, you know, she carved some new paths with things that she did in the, in the seventies into the eighties. That's for sure. Yeah, what I like about Rose, of uh, Rose's character, she was always super sweet, and she very rarely clapped back to some yeah. of the 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 nastiness that the the ladies uh, would uh, dish out dish yeah. out to each other on the show. But on the odd occasions that she did clap back, it was pretty savage. And the, this clip here is uh, one of my favorite moments of Rose in the entire uh, seven seasons of the Golden Girls dissonance between her actual and her ideal self which causes her to be practically dysfunctional <laughs> but of course i'm no psychologist no you're a nitwit <laughs> how 
come you know those words? Blanche, come on, it's not nice calling her a nitwit, but since the cat's out of the bag, how do you know those words? I guess it's from reading the American Journal of Abnormal Psychology. It's published in St. Olaf, you know. In fact, my Uncle Gunter used to be the editor. And what were you, the centerfold? I'm sorry, but I refuse to believe you have ever read a scientific journal. Believe what you want, see if I care. Hypersexual bit. It, was, it wasn't yeah, it was, all gentle, right? No, it definitely wasn't. It was very odd for Rose to have a moment like that, but she did. She did, and it, it was hilarious when she did. Well, and she did, and that, this was the this was the contrast that she created, right? And even some of the characters. I mean, when you look at uh, you know uh, Ruth McClanahan's uh, character, and yet in Mary Tyler Moore, when she played Sue Ann Nivens, she was the the Jezebel in that. Right. In that other show. And then yet it turns around into this show and she's exactly the opposite of that. Um, so, you know, a, bringing the possibility that, you know, there was other ways of being, she even lived in her life, like getting married and having babies. She chose her career and, and, uh, you know, she set a pathway for everybody that was totally different. I grabbed that Sandra Bullock speech. Uh, BK, do you have that? Yep. Um, because this is a clip from Betty White and she gives a bit of a burn to, and thanks Derek, by the way, uh, give us some insight on this. Um, she said a couple of things to, uh, Sandra Bullock in the speech. This is the Screen Actors Guild Lifetime Achievement Award, which was 2010, 11 years ago. Uh, it gives us a bit of a, uh, her sense of humor. I think there's a couple of edits on language in it. So some, it just chops together and, um, it, it shows you the, the true heart. Show some of the innocence and then some of the, some of the off the, into the ditch humor that she had. It's a couple minutes long, but I want you to hear it. My heart and from the bottom of my bottom, thank you for whatever. Oh my dears, I can't. And the fact that this lovely lady, she is such a wonderful one with all the wonderful things that have happened to her. Isn't it heartening to see how far a girl, as plain as she is, can go? One years ago, when I sang on a, an, an experiment thing that was called television, who would have dreamed it would culminate in an evening like this? I should be presenting an award to you for the privilege of working in this wonderful business all this time. And you still can't get rid of me. <laughs> Only 88 last Sunday, so I've got lots more stuff to do. show business is like living in a small town. People greet you like neighbors, not like strangers. And through the mail you form friendships that last for years with people you've never even met. I often wonder about people who don't have some kind of passion, something that they're, they care so deeply about that it never fails to fascinate them. How lucky can I be to have two such passions, show business and animals. Actually, I may have more than two passions, but that's none of your business. <laughs> I am still, to this day, starstruck. I look out at this audience and I see so many famous faces. But what really boggles my mind is that I actually know many of you, and I've worked with quite a few.
Maybe had a couple. Uh. And you know who you are. Uh, back when I first started, it would never have even occurred to me to, to imagine such a thing as this moment. And I still can't believe I'm standing here. This is the highest point of my entire professional life. To the Screen Actors Guild, to each and every one of you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. So Betty White right there, and that's from 11 years ago at the Screen Actors Guild Life Achievement Award. That's uh, just a good example of her humor. I mean, keep in mind, Ryan Reynolds is probably arguably one of the funniest overall people in acting today. And, I mean, Deadpool is a funny show. It's crude and everything else, but he had a, a, a fun feud with Betty White, uh, you know, even a year ago. And she puts a guy like Brian Reynolds and all of his humor, like in his place, like it was so good and very entertaining. Um, a couple of your text messages coming in eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. Denise says, "I loved watching Life with Elizabeth, and even then she was amazing. She never changed. Very cool stuff." London says, um, "Of Betty White, I loved her in the Lake Placid movies, hilarious, and also the football commercials." Um. Uh, hey, Shane, have they said how she passed away? Uh, not that I've read. They said that, um, that it, she just, there was nothing, there was no particular ailment and nothing. It just was one of those things that happened. Uh, at least that hasn't been updated as far as I've read, Henry. So thank you for your text. We'll update that if that goes on. I mean, does it really matter? Who cares? Right? Like, I mean, so we, we punctuated and we got to blame something or, or whatever. I mean, 99 years of Betty White pretty remarkable and if you want to see her sense of humor i mean outtakes from the proposal is pretty great that's the sandra bullock movie that she did and they had quite the friendship game shows like laughing and hollywood squares i love the most uh says Catherine. thank you very much Catherine, for that text message betty white's history is is quite amazing i mean if you look back in time it was 1922 1922 man the first world war had just ended like this is, we often say like, why, how come we're not doing these? And how come we're not got this figured out and all this stuff? And yeah, there's lots of things in life that we've put on the back burner. We've been complacent about, but look at the, look at the, the life, um, of this person, the lifespan, 1922, like aristocrats were still in castles in England, right? And then you had, uh, the roaring twenties, Spanish flu, roaring twenties as a young person. Then you got into, uh, the Great Depression, and then you have the Second World War. Then all of that ends. TV becomes a thing, right? Then, you know, TV shows, variety shows. At this point, we didn't even really have albums of music yet. Pop music wasn't really a thing. There was no organized music structure to record labels. Different cities played different local songs on the radio back then. Then we started to get albums. Then we got you know, the psychedelic rock stuff. And then we got into 80s. And it wasn't until we got into like new wave in the 80s that we got Golden Girls. And that was Golden Girls so long ago. Then you fast forward further and further in time. Like there was no internet. 
15 years after Golden Girls, we started to get internet in our houses, right? Cell phones started to be a thing 15 years, 10 years after Golden Girls. So when we look at, when we take a step back and take a look at all of these pieces of this woman's life and what she led entertainment through, we have to take that look. I think we have to dig into this and really look back at it from that perspective because that is the magnitude of leadership that this entertainer gave us. You know? 99 years old, December 31st, 2021. And um, I think it's good. And I know that's a terrible thing to say because you kind of hope Betty White lives forever. But I think it's good she just died on December 31st, 2021. Because I think that New Year's Eve could be Betty White Day as far as I'm concerned. And I hope that TV channels next year do nothing but Betty White marathons on New Year's Eve every single year. I, to me, that would be the opportunity. That's how we can take this and salute this. Uh, Sharon is in Coquitlam. Let's grab Sharon very quickly. Hey, Sharon, I know you just called in. We are short on time, but can you tell me how long you were watching Betty White for? Oh, my goodness. The, uh, it would have been from the 50s when we didn't even have a TV. And I had to right? go up at a neighborhood uh, television show, uh, show yeah. uh, that was they would display in their window. But yeah. regardless of that, today on The View, Joy Behar said to her uh, about 10 years ago, what would you like to do now that you're 88? And... Her response was Robert Redford. Exactly. So perfect. This is the Shift Podcast. Her name is Cabby Kepke. She's sports with Global Calgary all around awesome here. And I'm going to tell you a very quick story. Cammy, uh, it's late, went skiing today, has the fatigue, and is uh, tray fatigued and uh, is still here being awesome. Happy New Year, Cammy. How are you? I mean, first live show of the year, and you invited someone on who's dead inside. So there's that. <laughs> there's that. <laughs> Did wake myself up from the post-skiing fatigue by dumping some boiling water on myself by accident. Oh, Kid God. can't even boil potatoes. <laughs> hey. It's hard Can't even burn. She burns water, this one. That's what it is. My goodness. Um, how were the holidays? Were they good? You had to work quite a bit, didn't you? I was expecting to be working a ton because I was on world junior duty and yeah. well, that went down the drain pretty quick. So trying to fill the time these days, but some... Pretty long shifts. We had the old uh, 8.30 a.m. to midnight on Sunday, oh, but God. really great day shooting with a superhero's hockey in the morning. If you're not familiar with it, it's a, an adaptive hockey program for kids with physical and cognitive disabilities. Just the little adaptations they make to get all these kids on the ice is pretty fantastic. Little things like, you know, if you experience sensory overload from the bright lights or having, you know, a puck hit a stick. Little yeah. things like replacing the puck with uh, stuffy yeah. make it so much uh, more manageable for these kids. So, you know, worth the long days to be able to uh, tell stories oh, like fun. that. 
Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and you and today's things are very loud. Hockey rinks are loud. When pucks hit the glass, they're very loud. When um, those sticks with the composite material, they're very, very loud. Like, so for anybody, even just attending to watch a game, let alone play for fun at home or whatever, would be difficult. You know what else is loud? What? Hearing the kids uh, cheer when they're told that they are finally officially hockey players and then seeing their parents crying in the stands. Really? Oh, it's the most heartwarming thing to see. Yeah. It's awesome. That's amazing. Oh, well, that's very schmoopy. Oh, well, I was going to talk about all the hard days. We need some reasons to smile. We do. Well, we'll be back tonight with Good News Tuesday. You can come and join us if you like. We'll have some fun. Oh, um, uh, the, um, the, uh, I was going to talk about, uh, Russians on an airplane, um, to get us started into the hockey chat. Now you said that the world juniors, you know, did get canceled. Uh, it seemed to me uh, to be a bit of a surprise. It was evident that that ball at snowball had been kicked down the hill, uh, with COVID and it was going to be a thing. But at the same time, it, um, it did, it did come quick. Uh, which was strange. So you were in around everybody. Now some of the, even the, the reporters got sick. So, I mean, it seemed to be, it, it seems soon at the time, but kind of inevitable a few days later. It was something that, like you said, came up really quickly because uh, talking to some of the Hockey Canada staff, they had said in late November, some of the teams were complaining that the restrictions they had laid down for this tournament were too strict. And two weeks later, the Calgary Flames outbreak hits, and it kind of just seems like things started snowballing again. And it was too late to bubble this tournament. So even though they tried to implement some more restrictions the reality is when you have players in a public hotel where people are freely coming and going and there are events going on you can't completely isolate them so unfortunately maybe it was something that could have been avoidable if they had taken some more safety precautions ahead of time but here we are all these kids sent home hoping that they're going to get a chance to make that dream come true in the summer but you know what? At least they got those games because the women didn't even have that chance with their equivalent tournament. Yeah, and in all fairness, they're, they're, the way they've gone about it politically is to uh, take the responsibility, make the responsibility more open, and there is a window for some of these things to get done, which you would hope that things would happen. There are some older players who are scheduled to be at these tournaments that this is really their... I mean, first of all, they're at the tournament. They're going to get a look by somebody. These are the best of the best. This is like beyond all-star level, right? Like this is like the people that, like, there's not even one person from every team in the league that goes, right? Like it's it's so high quality. At the same time, though, there were some people that got a shot that might not have been there or were there to fulfill a spot in the team but might not have been the all-star get a look. And those people miss out. But they will. They, it potentially will get a shot down the road if they do a redo of the ladies and the men, right? Potentially will get a shot down the road, but you know, not everyone is going to be Connor McDavid as much as some people hope Connor Bedard could be. There are people yeah. at the the role playing, I guess, aspect of World Juniors where, yep, yeah, they could make the NHL, but are they going to be the superstar? Or are they going to be the role player there? Are they going to have to spend, you know, maybe a lot more time in the AHL? So while that is still living the dream, the chance to represent your country does not come across very often yeah so this is really the height of the career for some of these kids 
Well, you said Connor Bedard uh, from Vancouver and, and always a bit awesome for a long time. He's the same age group as my son in hockey. So we've known about him for a very long time. And, uh, you know, he not only did he go there and, and prove his uh, worth by improving game after game after game, there's been a lot of people that have been critical about some aspects of his game, but there's no denying the fact that he's a star. And uh, then he goes back to the Regina Pats and gets four goals in his first game back on New Year's Day. Like, so talk about someone who seems to just absorb and learn and go, absorb and learn and go. Uh, now that you saw him play, how does that land for you? Because I know that you were critical of some parts of his game, too. I was critical of some parts of his game. Having watched him in the WHL, yep, he's an offensive whiz, but he was usually good for one or two pretty ugly turnovers a game. And when it gets to World Juniors, up against the best of the best, some of these kids almost four years older than him, yeah, they're going to capitalize on that. Checking is a really big aspect in this tournament, but he was a sponge. You know, to watch him out there, he was holding his own, and he might have been a bit of a bubble player to make the team. He wasn't going to walk on. He had to play in that U Sports series, and he made sure that there was no way Hockey Canada could leave him off. And he started camp as the 13th forward, and he played his way up to the role that we saw him have in the few games that they played. You know, matching that Kretzky record, it was pretty yeah. incredible to watch. But it was only a couple of games. He still had a few more games to play. Like, he seemed to get better every game, and it was it fun. Was two I mean, games. Yeah. So, and that's how much improvement was there in two games. He was basically a fourth line guy when they got there in the exhibition game, and he was playing sort of second line type minutes by the time they were done. He was out there again and again and again. So, um, you know, with all of this going on, you know, what's your takeaway from the very brief World Juniors? Uh, feel free to uh, include in there the mega party that happened on an airplane. <laughs> Just a massive disappointment. Can we also talk about how every time Dave Cameron coaches Team Canada, the Russians get kicked off their plane? <laughs> Remember way back when they were also kicked off from partying a little too hard after that third period collapse? Yeah. Yikes. I think yeah. we as a nation repressed that one a little bit. But yeah, it looked like the Air Canada flight back to the motherland. Uh, you know, kids not wearing masks, they're drinking, they're smoking. Calgary police eventually called to uh, deplane them. And yeah. more than two hours after the flight was scheduled to take off, the rest of the passengers could uh, make it to their next destination. Isn't that but amazing? They're vaping on the plane. Like, <laughs> vaping on the plane. But like rough all around, we still haven't really heard from any of the players. We were, uh, you know, we were set to speak to a couple of them on Friday and they showed up at the rink and, you know, it was just still too raw. They're angry. Really? They're yeah. not ready to talk about it. Hmm. And I think there's still hope for a lot of these players that maybe something could happen this summer. But right now they feel like this is something that was completely avoidable. Um, It must be confusing because, I mean, I know that an awful lot of people have looked at the, this is an American arena, this NHL arena. This is a Canadian NHL arena, right? Like one is full, one is not. I mean, that outdoor game was full, right? The classic game. And then um, you've got nothing happening here. And then you've got the World Juniors where it gets canceled. I mean, there's no doubt there were people getting sick. So there was something to do with behavior there. And then these, these same guys go back to the WHL and they're playing. So it, it's it gets confusing, I guess. What, what do you like? 
I get all the reasons. I'm not contesting the reasons why, because the contagiousness of this, I mean, before, before Christmas, you know, a year ago at Christmas, we were like, do you know anybody who has had COVID? And it was, you were like, yeah, I heard Steve had it. Really? Like that kind of thing. And then now I could probably give you a list of 15 people that I know got COVID between the middle of December and today of people that are pretty close by that I haven't seen, but you know what I mean? Like, so it's changed a lot, but at the same time, confusing in the world of sports, what are you hearing? Because even some of the reporters got sick. So, I mean, the evidence is there. Completely. It is. I mean, you don't know what to think about it. Sometimes I wasn't one of the reporters who got sick, but we still don't know very much about in-game transmission for these kids. Mm. And there's just, yeah, it's hard to uh, figure out what's going on because, uh, you know, the day after the tournament was canceled, we were hearing about more positive test results, but we also heard that some players had already returned home at that point. It's like, okay, Mm. we're still not going to have everyone hang out for a few more days, conduct a few more tests. Yeah, I know they shortened some of the uh, the quarantine things too. So looking forward at hockey, Cami. So no NHL players at the Olympics, which is disappointing, clearly. Um, but that does buy them time to make up games, and they, um, you know. So I mean, are, do they are there, is the talk around the NHL folks that it looks like it's sort of run its course? I mean, I use Calgary as a great example. I remember last year when Vancouver got hammered so hard. Calgary uh, got hammered so hard before Christmas, but maybe a blessing in disguise because it's, it sort of ran through everybody. Now we're starting to see some other teams drop off here and there. Um, what's what's the NHL conversation from the players about expectations of inconsistency? Uh, I haven't actually had a chance to talk to the players about that with Calgary. They also got a bit of a lucky break because no one had any uh, severe symptoms So if anything, it gave them a lot of time to rest and heal up other injuries. And then they came back to action, you know, still sitting third in the Pacific while their counterparts in Edmonton have completely crumbled at the same time. So, yeah, blessing in disguise for Calgary, Mm. we could say. I don't think the NHL wants to take any chances, but they're trying to balance that with the business side where we're seeing a lot of games postponing Canada because those are cash ponies and the NHL does not want to let that money go. They would rather reschedule things to see the Canadian teams swing through the states where the arenas will already be full and hopefully have games made up in Calgary and Winnipeg and Toronto when you can have a full house. Disappointing Mm. for the players, but there are Thankfully, like knowing that uh, 99% of the players and staff are vaccinated, none of them are seeing really severe symptoms because you have to remember, like Brandon Sutter still isn't playing because of because he's a COVID long hauler because of the effects that he's seen from the virus. And he has a young family Two Edmonton Oilers have been diagnosed with myocarditis and they are certainly not hitting the ice this season. Mm hmm. So we just should be thankful that uh, there aren't those kinds of implications with these outbreaks for our friends in Edmonton goaltending yikes (laughs) that's it end of the statement yikes (laughs) it's hard to watch i mean you feel for the fan base because it's like oh come on we're wasting the prime of two of the most electric players of this generation and i don't know if it's an organizational thing if it's a structural thing like the complaint has always been that they haven't had goaltending and depth scoring but you think of the careers 
that have had their trajectories completely changed by this franchise. Like, what would Taylor Hall be? What would Nail Yakupov be? What would Yakupov. McDavid and Dreisaitl be if they had been anywhere else? Yeah, And they've got great fans up there, which is a shame. They've got a great building. They should have everything going for them. Well, Eberle, um, you know, I mean, there's a long list of, and I think some of those guys got hyped way too high, and it was unfair the amount of pressure that was put on them. They probably were career second line guys that were expected to be first line scorers. I mean, but that, that doesn't help. Edmonton's fan base, man, like you can say that, you know, Toronto is Canada's team and all these things that people say. And yes, there are Toronto's fan bases all across this country like no other. But yeah, even more so than the Habs. Uh, like they, Toronto, you will find Toronto jerseys in most rinks more so when they come to town than the home team. They're like the Saskatchewan Rough Riders of hockey. And they, but yet the Oilers fan base is so faithful. Um, they frankly deserve a goaltender. Can you imagine what had happened if they had won the Jacob Markstrom sweepstakes? Yeah, Those poor fans, they're like trouble. the millhouse from The Simpsons of the Canadian fandom. The Maple Leafs fans hate themselves, and <laughs> no the Habs fans hate everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So what about, uh, let's talk about um, James Neal, because since we're talking about Edmonton fans, so we have James Neal and um, Milan Lucic, who got traded, essentially, and Lucic is on track to, you know, five years ago type stats. He's trending at like 22 or 23 goals for the season or something like that if he keeps up his current pace. And um, James Neal was in, I think he was not even a PTO or whatever, in St. Louis. Now he got put on waivers. Yeah, he got there on a nobody, PTO. Nobody even took him for free. Like he was, so that's what it means in hockey when you get put on waivers. They're getting put down to the AHL or to another league. And what the pro, the thing is, is that you can't just put a person down for nothing. There is a, there is a window where someone else can scoop them up. Someone can come and scoop them for free if they're willing to take on the salary. Nobody was willing to take on James Neal's salary, which was like nothing, um, to do that. Milan Lucic is having a dynamite season and Edmonton's still footing a quarter of the bill. Man, Calgary struck gold with that one. And people thought Edmonton won that one in the beginning. They did. You know, James Neal used to be an awesome player to watch. I loved watching him at Pittsburgh, loved watching amazing. him with Nashville, and even with the Golden Knights. He just seemed like a pure goal scorer. And it seemed like something that would fit when he came to Calgary, and it just didn't. And it's like, okay, maybe it's just Calgary. Maybe he'll find that spark again in Edmonton. Just, no. Like, you don't want to take anything in this guy's career away from him because you know like I think he's just shy of 300 career goals I think he had 867 career NHL games that's mm -hmm. pretty fantastic but it just sucks oh. that in pro sports you rarely get to pick how you go out like very rare to dictate your career on your own terms and Milan Lucic like who could have seen this coming Money Milan is a confirmed <laughs> skill guy now he's not yeah you know that five hole shot he does he calls it the power five but the other night he went power shelf that was amazing well he missed on the he missed on the five hole shot next time he came in he scored over the shoulder um it's dynamite it's fun to watch you know it was really great to see the people come back and i just want to acknowledge that it's not easy for everybody. The people who are working in the rinks who would sell the beer and sell the popcorn and do the tickets, let's not forget that they're paying the price here. And um, I, while I absolutely right now for this small window, hopefully of figuring out 
the level of, remember, a small percentage of lots of contagiousness is still a lot of people. I get all that. Uh, being careful, absolutely, might be a way to avoid a full lockdown. But let's hope that it's short-lived and um, there's people back in the ranks soon. Uh, good luck with your, your sports injury today of potatoes. And, uh, oh, man, I hope out day-to-day day with a bruised ego, I think. <laughs> uh, I hope I see you Wednesday. By the way, you're a terrible texter. You need to get back to me. I will be there. All right. I will be there. Back You're to, checking actually, your calendar right now. The home now. of the Calgary Canucks, I used to do uh, some PA and some uh, color commentary for them. Oh, really? Yeah, back to the old stomping grounds. Oh, fun. Cool. All right. Well, we got plans for Wednesday for everybody else. This is uh, our time to say thank you to Cami Kepti, Global Calgary. Tammy Karkies, thanks for being here, buddy. Great to see you. See you soon. This is the Shift Podcast. It's time for us to check in with our buddy. It's a brand new year and brand new disco moves with Handy Andy Barrar. Disco Andy is here. Happy New Year, brother. Happy New Year, Shane. It's been a long time. I haven't talked to you since last year. Yeah, I know. Since last year. That's a good dad joke coming at you. Um, The... uh, Andy's beard is coming in. Like Andy has this like this hair DNA that it just like grows. Like I don't know, man. Like this beard on you comes in like nothing. I've been working since the middle of August on this. And it's yeah. long. It's pretty long. I mean, I'm catching long up, Shane. My, I'm catching up. It's probably three inches long on my beard. And uh, yours is coming in thick and handsome there, buddy. Looking good. You know what's funny is like if you look at me clean shaven and with a beard, it's like adding almost like 17 years to, to, to my face. It's quite amazing. Just tell me about you know, it. how much I look different um, just by putting some facial hair on. At least you got salt and pepper. I'm all salt. Um, so you, I, I thought of you a couple of times because you remember when I texted you a couple of days ago saying, hey, what was that cricket, whatever, whatever um, that you had talked about? So yeah. my sister has a cricket. Uh, she has a different one. It's an older one. I think she bought it on Kijiji. And then I saw the number one cricket, and then I think it was number three cricket that you had. Yes. And uh, so there, I didn't know there were so many options out there of different models of these things. My sister for Christmas made us uh, mugs and cut out sort of the vinyl sticker letters uh, and custom cut mugs for us uh, with her cricket. So it got me thinking, and I know that it's on your list of things to talk about, about custom DIY stuff. You've already posted it to shiftheads.ca. Tell us about some of your DIY craftiness, this newfound, you're like, you're channeling your inner grandma here. It's great. (laughs) Well, I'm stuck inside, Shane. You know, typically uh, in the spring and summer, I'm outside. I got all my, my, my saws out and I'm building stuff with wood or I'm gardening. But with winter, I'm stuck inside. And so I got this Cricut. It's called the Cricut Maker 3. It's a smart cutting tool. And this thing has literally saved my life, Shane, because it keeps my DIY brain going. And, and like you said, you can make co- you can make custom name, like, you know, coffee cups and plates. Like for one of my nieces, what I made is one of those Santa plates where you put mm. like the cookie, you put the carrot for Santa. And that mm-hmm. was her Christmas gift. And that, that was a big hit um, this Christmas. So all the gifts during the holiday i actually made with this machine and then i thought you know what shane i gotta make myself something you know i gotta treat myself Mm -hmm. to something and so that's what i posted on the shiftheads.ca on the facebook group you're gonna see the handy andy jump man t-shirt i'm making t-shirts now shane so 
I'll, I'll actually show you have to folks, you got to go on to there or you can go to my website, handyandymedia.com. But basically I show you all the steps on how easy it is to make your own custom t-shirts. And what you have to do is with this cricket maker, you get what's called, and you should get this for your sister. It's this smart iron on vinyl. So it's mm. this vinyl that you could actually use an iron and then press it onto clothing. So you can find different types of logos. They actually have software where you can make it. You can make even like sayings um, and then have that printed directly onto a T-shirt. This is a great gift. Like, you know, anybody this this day and age, Shane, I was thinking about this. You know, we could just go onto Amazon, buy something, and you have it mailed to, to people's houses. And like, where's the fun? Where's the love in that? Mm-hmm. So it's better to take the time and make a custom gift. And so that's what I had did. And now I'm just into the t-shirt business. So I feel like I'm like Kanye West here. You know, I got my own clothing line, except mm-hmm. I'm not selling it. I'm just wearing it. And so, oh, so you got to cool. check this out. I made the Jumpman. It's called the Jumpman t-shirt because, you know, I got into jump rope uh, during COVID. So it seems fitting. It's kind of like the Michael Jordan, you know, Jumpman logo with mm-hmm. him with the basketball, except it's just a dude with the jump rope. And it looks super cool. And so cool. I, I made it and you can see it on the Shift Facebook group. By the way, I got stats for you, Shane. So you're currently at 732 people mm-hmm. have subscribed to the um, the group. So we want to get that up to about 750. And also the Handy Andy Facebook page has 184. So I'm hoping by the end of this show, we can get those yeah. up to at least 200 and 750 for the shift. Nice. That's good. You know what? And that's, that's you that's done that, which is really cool. So I Kanye goes by yay now. And yeah. so I'm thinking that Andy should just be D. D? So we should drop the handy Annie. It's just D. D, yeah. So it's it disco, sounds, disco D. Sounds sounds fitting. So my next project, so I always have these sayings that I use all the time, right? Like I always tell my friends, and one of my favorite sayings, and I'm making a t-shirt right now, do the do. Because everybody has like New Year's resolution, and I'm just like, everyone's like, I'm going to do this. I'm like, you know what? Do the do. So I'm just going to make do the do t-shirts. And then there was another saying that my grandfather used to always tell me. I don't really know what it means. But he used to always say to me, Andy, govern yourself accordingly. And I really didn't understand what he was trying to tell me. You know, I was like a little kid, but uh, I'm going to make a T-shirt for that as well. Govern yourself accordingly. Oh, that's a good good idea. I got a couple. I got lots of ideas. Uh, My buddy Chad is all over me uh, because of my website development company. He's like, we need to do this. (laughs) <laughs> like you need more time. That's <laughs> what we need is more time. Um, these are all great ideas, buddy. I love all this stuff. And the custom, it's like where Etsy went wrong, right? The website Etsy used yeah. to be all of these handcrafted things. And then in order to make more money, they brought in the automation of drop shipping. So you used to go to Etsy and I used to love the little things like jewelry and skeleton keys and all those kinds of things you get on there that were legit. And then I ordered skeleton keys one day and they arrived and they're just carbon copy printed mass produced not even legit like authentic skeleton keys so i hope that there's another version of etsy that comes that comes out because those things are um it's magical when you go on and you can buy something that was handcrafted by somebody i think that's great yeah so i think the next video that i'll probably post because it i I actually practiced this a lot is wood burning so you could use this cricket machine to create a stencil and then use it to wood burn so you can create, you know, like you have to get this scorch pen and basically it's like a felt pen. And so you, you, you just kind of felt it in like a stencil and then you get a heat gun and then you just start heating it and that'll make it go 
Good. So that's something that, um, you know, I want to show people is more DIY. We need more DIY in our lives. We can buy anything, but we got to start using our hands, using our creativity and creating things. Hey, man, I've learned a lot from some of the people that um, some of the, uh, you know, Enviro lovers that come on this show. And these are not the people that are the wild, like way on the wing. These are the people that talk about just we change our world when we just reuse things. People yeah. like circular economy is what they call it. And I've done everything with this new pet story that I'm going to share here coming up later on the shift um, that, um, you know, I'm trying to do everything with with recycled things. It's so incredibly important. And um, I love the the wood etching, the burning thing, too. I've got questions about that. So we have lots more to talk about with you and your grandma cricket, a thing that you've got going on here. So Andy Borar, handyandymedia.com is his website, by the way. Uh, from now on, if he starts wearing really bad foam Crocs, we're just going to call him D. That's cool. Um, let's talk quickly about the tech event this week, what we can look forward to, but we've only got to do it in about a minute and a half, two minutes if we can. Sure. So um, this happens every year. The Consumer Electronics Show, also known as CES, it is the biggest electronic trade show in the world. Typically, 175,000 people go to Las Vegas for this trade show to see the latest and greatest in tech and really tells you what is the big trends in technology. Well, last year they went to a virtual only. This year, they're still doing it in person. Believe it or not, even with Omicron, they're still holding this event in person. Yours truly is not going, Shane. I'm staying home. I'm going to be covering it virtually so people can um, tune in next week and I'll tell you all the latest and greatest that's coming out of there. But there is no way that I would go to Vegas right now, especially with the Omicron variant uh, being so rampant as it is. But a lot of people are going and so the show must go on. And it's going on in Vegas right now. CES. Arenas are arenas are still full, but we will get the insight regardless from Handy Andy. HandyAndyMedia.com. He's here, and um, we've got lots to talk about before we're done. Andy, fitness apps. Now, I had the um, RunKeeper app, which is the Under Armour app. Uh, it's one of the three times that I've had uh, my information get stolen was from that app. So I'm hesitant I remember to get that. onto the, yeah, I'm hesitant to get on these apps. And uh, yeah, you were on with me when that happened and, um, years ago. And the, um, so I'm hesitant to get on these apps because, you know, I just, there's something special about a, a physical trainer being there with you and telling you, you know, good job, Andy, you can do it. And can apps do that? So where are we going with this this chat? Yeah, so so basically there's this new types of apps that have come out, uh, fitness-related apps. And basically they're trying to become the, the fitness trainer, but in your pocket. And, and the way that they're doing that is they're using AI and asking you a series of questions like, what is your level of exercise ability? What's your, you know, how, how long have you been exercising? And from that, they have a huge data set of other people that they've asked that similar questions. And these apps will actually tailor and personalize based upon what your goals are, whether it's to lose weight or build strength. And they will start to create these programs for you and then help you track it. So it's basically like a, a fitness trainer in your pocket. And they're much more affordable than a personal trainer because not everybody can afford that. But at the same time, you know, it can help a lot of people who just need that little push, you know. And the interesting thing about these apps, Shane, is they'll even tell you like how long to rest. So this is what a personal trainer would do is like, you know, okay, rest for 30 seconds or for a minute. And it's like, okay, next set. And a lot of people need that guidance. You know, they might, they might need that, just that little push to keep them going. And so there's a variety of different types of, of apps that are out there. Some of them are free to try, but they are a subscription. Some they, they'll charge weekly. 
but they are more affordable than your typical fitness trainer. So it's something for people. I know, you know, it's January. Everybody's like, you know, got New Year's resolutions and they want to lose weight. And it's something that you might want to consider. Me personally, Shane, I haven't used these. I, I just kind of, you know, work out on my own, create my own programs. Um, but I do think that this can help people out there. And it's something that you might want to consider if you struggle keeping with an exercise regime. Some of these types of apps can help. One thing I would suggest, and I, I learned this when I was jumping rope, is I, I went and subscribed to like fitness groups online on Facebook. And you get that, that, that kind of group camaraderie where you can send before and after pictures. And I love seeing these people who take up jump roping and they'll show their before and they lose all this weight and, you know, and you can cheer people on and, or people share videos and you can kind of give them tips. So between that and these fitness apps, you know, there's a lot of help. And so for people that are, are struggling, just know that there are technology solutions out there that can help you without having to get a personal trainer. But like you said, if you can afford it, there's nothing, nothing will beat a personal trainer who's pushing you in the gym. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And community is everything. We've all learned that here on The Shift. It's very true when you're trying to take on your fitness, having community there be with you and go with you and uh, ask how your time was is unbelievable. Okay, let's go to space. Uh, Handy Andy in space. Elon Musk, he's in there a bit of fire because he's got so many satellites up there. His little, his internet satellites are quite small. Like they're as big as a purse, but they, um, there's a lot of them and they're taking up space. Yeah. So of course everyone knows Elon Musk also has his other company, SpaceX. Like I, I always wonder what Elon Musk inbox must email inbox must be like when he has all these companies, right. you know, but he has these, this company SpaceX and what they're doing is they're creating these Starlink network. And so they're these little satellites, like you mentioned, they're called Leo satellites and they stand for low earth orbit. And basically what he's doing is he's making a constellation of these satellites across the globe to deliver internet to rural areas. And so the more and more he puts these satellites, the more coverage he can get around the globe to deliver internet or, you know, virtually anywhere on earth. However, he's not the only one that's doing this. All these other companies are putting up these, these new satellites and now you're getting a lot of debris up in space. And so they had, he had a little issue with China recently, the China space station actually almost hit one of these satellites. And so they made a complaint to the UN about Elon Musk. Elon Musk is like, there's plenty of room out there. It's not a big deal. So it's really interesting, Shane, because you have private companies now. You got the Bezos. You got the, I call it the Billionaires Boys Club, you know, Bezos, Elon Musk, and Richard Branson all trying to go into space. But then you also have actual countries who also have space agencies like China. So it's a very interesting, it's like, who's going to regulate space? And all the space in space, pun intended, and, and and prevent you know these kind of collisions from happening in the future. Because what we know, Elon's got about nineteen hundred satellites. There's approximately wow. thirty thousand satellites up in space. So that's a that's a lot of space junk. And you you know if you imagine you're putting a rocket or a satellite or something else up in space, you might have to detour. And I don't know if they have little GPS trackers for all these satellites. So it's gonna. Right. I just don't know who's going to regulate this in the future. It might have to be the UN. You know, all, this is so new in society, but it's happening really fast. Yeah, like landmines, right? That's what it feels like. It's it's sort of turning into is that all of these things up in space are causing are causing problems. And I don't know if you would want anyone to regulate it, but at the same time, um, 
someone's got to do something because, I mean, people are going to start shooting stuff down and we're going to get affected because they're going to be like, well, your stuff was in my way, right? Or your stuff ran into my stuff. And you never know where that's going to go. And, and, and if something bad happens, like there is a collision, who's liable? And and, and how do you like resolve that? This is like yeah. an international space court that you're going to go to. Right. So I think these are issues that we really have to address, especially as these billionaire boys club are trying to do space tourism. And now you got all these space satellites it's going to get really hard to, this is like the Jetsons, you know, it's going to get it's hard like to, the Jetsons. <laughs> it's going to get hard to regulate all that stuff in the air. I love it. Um, you, uh, although in all fairness, we also can't sort out minimal, mineral, uh, mineral rights and all of the land around the North Pole and the Arctic Circle between Canada and Russia. That hasn't been sorted out for decades. So I don't know how you and I can sit here and expect that we're going to sort out space um, versus the amount of money that can be made off of some of those mineral rights. The minute that another country puts a hole in the ground in uh, land that Canada claims is theirs or whatever, those those treaties are going to need to be sorted out because it's going to cause wars. It truly is, right? Like, um, yeah, it's it's some amazing stuff. Well, I look forward to next week. CES is coming up with Andy uh, Barrar. He's going to be reporting from Vegas remotely. And um, so we are going to, uh, he's going to virtually report on the events in Vegas with us. He's not traveling. And uh, so I look forward to that. And I look forward to hearing what's coming next with the cricket and uh, Andy's new uh, grandma habits, buddy. It's great to see you. Happy New Year. Maybe I should start knitting too, Shane. You never know, man. I'd make a good grandma, you know. You'd make a great grandma. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.